0: Well hello, my name is Jeremiah Vault. that's my last name, both of those I think are important I guess, since I'm looking out at this crowd and I actually recognize so few faces. Um, I am of course a guest speaker today, I pastor Agape Chicago in Rogers Park, I was sent out in 2011 to start that work and the good thing about guest preaching is I can say whatever I, I really want. Without the consequences, John and Andy and, and the folks have to clean up my mess, so this should be fun. I uh, want to uh, give you a little bit of an update, because I know some of you actually are, are, at least through prayer, invested in the work of Agape Chicago and what we're doing. Um, uh, the, first, the good news, and then maybe some of the redirecting God is doing with us. First, the good news. Recently, we just, uh, we've been investing heavily in a family from Afghanistan uh, that's been coming to our church, the uh, one woman with her four uh, young children, and the oldest daughter, who is uh, Mesa, I was going to say uh, nine, but I feel like that's too young, uh, recently just gave her life to Christ, which is really cool, uh, what God's doing there. Um, so if you could, just pray pray for that situation, because she's going to a school uh, up in north, north of Howard that's pretty hard. If you can keep, uh, her name is a Saul in mind, that would be uh, great. Uh, secondly, if you can keep us in prayer over the summer, basically we're going we're gonna to have to worship outside uh, because we don't get an opportunity to meet inside. We've been basically, uh, for the last few months, in four to five month leases at Agape Chicago, so we'll be meeting outside in the park. I actually see this as a good opportunity to be very visible, uh, but we just want as little rain as possible on Sundays from about July to August. We'll have, we'll have tents, we'll be under canopies, but it's still not a lot of fun uh, to to be dragging through the rain, and of course, less people will be out then. Uh, let's begin, shall we, with my topic. I I uh, you know usually I, I was kind of thrown off. I'm, I, I say that not to complain. So I'm going to read Exodus 20:15 to you. That's where I'm beginning today. Exodus 20:15. It just says, "You shall not steal." Four words. You shall not steal. That's what I'm teaching on today. And when I first heard from Andy Hudson, music leader up here, uh, that I was going to be preaching on the Ten Commandments, I was very intrigued by the possibility. Uh, but later I get an email that says, Jeremiah, you have thou shall not steal, or you shall not steal. I'm using the King, King James Version in my mind. Sometimes I might do that uh, from time to time. That's how I learned the Ten Commandments when I was young. But I was, I was kind of disappointed when I was told, you shall not steal, I was like, oh man, I could have gotten one of these theologically rich commands, like you shall have no other gods before me. Or, or I could have had something uh, that would have been a little bit more difficult about how do you apply that today, like you shall keep the Sabbath. Or, or maybe something like, what, what does it mean to honor your parents in a very individualistic society? Good stuff, right? Maybe I could have got... Uh, you shall not murder, that, that could have allowed me to talk about like self-defense and war, things like that, some good good, uh, good things for you smart people up here in Evanston, right? Um, or I could have got, uh, you shall not commit adultery, and uh, I would have been able to talk about sex, and that certainly would have gotten a, a lot of you folks more interested in my topic. Uh, but you shall not steal. Um, even if you're here and you believe in God, or if you don't believe in God, you basically believe not stealing is a good idea. Even thieves don't want you to steal from them. (laughs) No, (laughs) you shall not steal. It, it, It felt initially like a, a big snoozer. I was getting the hard one. Okay. Uh, but here comes the but, and there is a but. Um, because I just broke every single rule that uh, public speaking has. You know, you basically are supposed to tell people why the topic is the most important topic you've ever heard, and I've just told you why I'm having a hard time with it. Uh, You shall not steal is not simply some isolated ethic in the middle of the Bible, but rather it is absolutely essential to to the Ten Commandments itself which is essential to the story of Israel, which is essential to the story of Jesus, which is the story of humanity. And I want to help you see that today. I want to help you see three ways that You Shall Not Steal is important, has significance to our story. Uh, You see that the story that we're singing about and talking about is the story of Jesus Christ. We're uh, We're all supporting actors and actresses to the main actor, Jesus Christ. And I want to help you see how you shall not steal is essential to the story of Jesus, uh, specifically in these three areas. First, it's necessary to obedience. Second, faithfulness to covenant. And third, life with Jesus. Third, life with Jesus. So I'm going to begin with the first uh, way that you shall not steal is significant to the story in which we live, and that is it's... Uh, it's necessity to obedience Uh, you shall not still comes in the midst of the ten words i use i'm going to use the language ten words and ten commands interchangeably because technically these aren't commands they're words from god but we understand them as commands and god has given quite a few words about how we are not to live in particular what we're to avoid and of course, if God's a good God, we would expect him to, to command, you shall not steal. Uh, stealing makes the world more dangerous. It, 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 it de-incentivizes work and responsibility, right? Uh, stealing makes the world a harder place that, we, that causes us to distrust our neighbors. So if God is good, it would be obvious that stealing would be bad. But I want you to see that stealing is more than just Uh, stealing bread or you know cheating on your taxes coming up by the way here's your time don't cheat on your taxes it's more than just uh pirating music or movies on your computer students don't don't pirate music or or videos on your computers I don't know if college students still do that that was what was cool in my day But stealing actually is interconnected to all the rest of the commandments. Stealing actually is um, necessarily related to every single one of the 10 words of God. Stealing uh, at its heart says that there is something that God gets to say, this is yours and this isn't yours. And I get to tell you what you get to do with each. Um, Stealing basically starts with the understanding that there is a god who is creator who is lord of all things who gets to command your path and gets to tell you uh what's what and i want you to see that actually uh you shall not still could be restated to sum up all of the ten commandments in a different way all the ten words in a different way let me take you through a little exercise to help you see that uh I could restate them in this way. You shall have no other gods before God. Commandment number one, right? You shall not steal the glory and the honor that belongs to God alone. Commandment number two, you shall not make any idols. You shall not take the glory of the heavens and place it in sticks and stones and things that break. You shall honor the name of the Lord God. You shall, keep the Lord's God. You shall not take the Lord God's name in vain. You shall honor. You shall not steal the, the honor and the, the sanctity of the name of God. You shall honor the Sabbath. You shall work six days and honor the Sabbath. Uh, you're, you're not supposed to be lazy and take time and waste it and then try to, again, steal the honor due to God's name by overworking. You shall honor your parents. You're not to take the honor due to the people that give you life. You shall not commit adul- uh, murder. You murder can't take someone's life right you can't steal you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal the rights that belong only to those in marriage Uh, you should not steal you should not steal Uh, you shall not bear false witness you shall not take the the truth about someone, steal the truth about someone and bear a false witness about them. And then you shall not covet, you should not even begin to think about stealing. And I, all of this, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this exercise to help you see at its core, the 10 commandments are like a fabric woven together. They're like a, they're, they're necessary to each other. You cannot say that you take uh, one commandment seriously while mis- uh, while not listening to the others. To disobey any of the commandments of God is to steal in a certain sense. There is a realistic fabric that the whole 10 commandments are held together. And in a world where we pick and choose the ethics we like, the things, the commands of God that we say, yeah, you know what, I'm really, I'm all about this justice thing, but God's sexual commands for me, they're just kind of uptight. We, we can't do that, that's stealing. There's a a theft there, there's a taking from God who has rights to say, this is mine, this is my world, you are mine, I get to tell you what's yours and what isn't. That's the beginning of understanding what you shall not steal means, is that everything is woven together. You you may be a doer and you may relate better to the last few of the words of God, that is, you, you understand the ethical commands, how I'm supposed to relate to the world around me. You might be a thinker, someone who, who really gets the, I, I should not have other gods before me, and that everything starts from having a right relationship with God, but the, the Ten Commandments, if you understand them correctly, as a fabric woven together, the minute that you begin to see any of the fabric torn, uh, unless there's repentance and faith uh, and turning away, the fabric will keep on ripping, and everything is open game you shall not steal is necessary to obedience without uh, without you shall not steal the ten commandments the ten words are incomplete and not simply because there would only be nine Uh, they're incomplete because you shall not steal is at the very heart of understanding what it's like to live in a world that belongs to God and related to this brings me to the second way in which you shall not still relates to our story and that's faithfulness to covenant faithfulness to covenant uh, these t- these 10 commands yes they are the central ethical statements of Israel in the time of Moses this is this is big stuff we have we have the great movie about the 10 commandments right uh with Charlton Heston it's it's the central ethical code of Israel at this particular time and if you understand the story of Israel Uh, you you understand uh, that God is calling Israel to be a covenant people. A covenant is basically where God says, I'm going to do this, and you need to do this. Or I have done this, and because of this, you're going to need to follow through in these particular ways. Uh, When the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words were given, God had already taken his chosen people, Israel, his covenant people up out of the land of Egypt. This land was a land where 400 years worth of lives, of, of, of rights had been taken by Egypt. Uh, he, they lived in a land in Egypt where God Uh, where God saw that the Egyptians were trying to take the lives of the firstborn Hebrews. Uh, The rights were consistently taken away from the people of Israel in the land of Egypt. And God was basically saying, you're not going to be like this. God removed the people before the Ten Commandments were given physically from Egypt. But when he gives the Ten Commandments, he says, you're going to be different from Egypt spiritually and ethically as well. You're not, you're not going to be like them. You're going to be different. You're going to be my covenant people. You can't go and be like the nations around you. You're to be a specific chosen people unto me where I'm going to bless you. Believe that and obey. That's what covenant living is. Israel, when they received the Ten Commandments, when they received the Ten Words... It comes in context in the, in the story of God forming a people that was going to be blessed by having many people, by having many children, by having a land flowing with milk and honey, with kings coming through their line, where nations would come and see the glory of God through that nation. They were to be a covenant people, a people that were going to be blessed. And blessed as they obeyed, as they reflect God's character. Israel never lived faithfully to the covenant. God had promised them, I'm going to bless you. And they said, I don't believe you, God. And we see that the story of Israel is, in many ways, book-ended by the breaking of covenant. We see that with the beginning of even human history. And we see that even at the end of what we have in the scriptures about the history of Israel. And I want to show you what covenant living was supposed, what, what covenant living promised and how the story of Israel was one where they kept breaking covenant. They kept living covenant. Without faithfulness to this covenant, I want to show you that first in the book of Genesis. Uh, if you have your ESV Bibles, the or uh, your your apps or anything like that, you can find Genesis two. It's the first book of the Bible, and I want to read to you that actually at the very beginning of the story of Israel, they were given promises, but theft is part of the blood of the people is in the blood of the people that uh, that were our first parents and, and that continue to live as the chosen ones genesis 2 16 through 17 you've probably heard this before but i want to point a few things out and the lord god commanded, commanded the man saying you may surely eat of the tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The first parents of humanity, Adam and Eve, they were told, listen, you you got this garden, this paradise garden, right? And you can eat anything you want here, anything you want in this garden. You can enjoy this land. You can run about naked and free, you, you have millions of blessings, Adam and Eve, but there's this one tree uh, that, that if you eat of it, you're going to get knowledge of good and evil, and that's not yours to take. That's mine, okay? Everything else is yours. You can take it. You can enjoy it. But that you stay away from. You stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But you know the story, but I'm going to read it anyway. You turn to the next chapter. Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise she took of its fruit she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate The first covenant that was broken with God involved a the theft Involved taking something that did not belong to our first parents. At the heart of our original disobedience was a rejection of God's goodness. And the outflow of that was trying to seize that which God withheld. At its root, breaking a covenant always says, I don't trust you, God. And stealing is not far behind because we're going to say, this is mine now. Because God doesn't get to tell me what's what. At the very beginning of the story of Israel, we see that the goodness of God is called into question. It always starts that way. And stealing is not far behind. And that that actually there's a mutual relationship to steal is to say God is not good and he will not give. This is not enough. And Israel... Their story continued where God says, guess what? I'm going to take you to this land. You obey me. I will make you the greatest nation in all of the world. I will bless you richly. And still they did not believe. We, even at the very end of the story of Israel that we have recorded in history, we see a breaking of covenant. And we see this in the, in the book of Malachi, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 6-12. through 12. If you have your ESV Bible, it's on page 519. If you, if you have your app, it's really, it's simple. Malachi 3, 6 through 12. God begins by talking to them, and he refers to Israel about some of their history. For I, the Lord, do not change... Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? And the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delight, says the Lord of hosts. Uh, This is just a few hundred years before the birth of Jesus. And God is in many ways restating the covenant, but he's focusing on financial and and produce giving. The giving of produce to them and saying, uh, guess what? I've promised you all along, you just trust me, and you obey, and I will bless you. You're going to have all the fruit, all the crops you're going to want. Nations are going to look at you and say, oh my goodness, I wish that fruit would grow in our land like it does in the land of Israel. From beginning to end, God had called his people to obey, but yet they had never learned. Just trust God, and he says, guess what? I call this stealing you're acting like thieves and robbers towards me by not bringing in the tithe. And, and just to uh, remind you, the word tithe is act, actually like a, a verb, tenth. Uh, it's, 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 it al- you can almost replace it, they uh, withheld the tenth. Uh, that's what it meant. And so Israel was commanded to bring a tenth, their best, actually, the first tenth of their produce to God, and give it to him, and he promised, you do this, you trust me with your stuff, the first tenth of your stuff, I am going to take care of you, I promise, but you're going to have to learn to trust me, people, and I, and I, and I bring that up because I think a lot of times many of us use the word tithing just in general for giving, and, and, I, and I want to make clear to you that if you ever use the word tithing for like the average evangelical gift, which is about 4.2%, that's the, that's, the nice, uh, that's the nice estimate, or the average Christian person in the United States who professes Christianity, they give 2%. If you use the word tithe to describe that, you're, you're using the word wrong. And I, I'm just starting there. I'm, not, I'm just getting started, okay? Uh, but you're using the word wrong. Uh, That's not the right word. You're just making, you're giving a gift. You're making an offering. Tithing was what God commanded Israel to give and said, trust me with it. And I've not, I've not got to us just yet, but they refused because they believed that God was a miser. Uh, When, when you withhold from a God who says, guess what, you give me 10%, 10%, I, I I want you to understand that if you withhold, if they, when they were withholding from him, they were basically saying, God, you're a miser. We don't trust you. We, we don't believe that you'll actually give back more than we give to you. They're calling God a liar. At the heart of stealing is looking at God and saying, your gifts, your gifts, your promises, your blessings, all the things that you offer are not enough. That song that we just sang, that Jesus is enough, you can't, if you are stealing, if you are living as if God will withhold from you, you're lying when you sing that. So I want to ask the question, what does that have to do with us today? Because uh, that was Israel, they were a nation under law and covenant. What has changed since Jesus has come? And so that brings me to the third section that helps me relate life, Uh, life with Jesus helps me to relate, you shall not steal, to our current story. Life with Jesus, because that's the most immediate place of our story. Again, about 3,000 years ago, uh, the the 10 words were given uh, to the people of Israel. Actually, a little bit more than 3,000 years ago. 1,500 years later, roughly, Jesus of Nazareth shows up on the scene after the 10 commandments were given. Jesus was a faithful Jew. Not stealing was essential to his self-understanding. He, the 10 commandments were baseline. That's what it means to be a faithful Jew. You keep the 10 commandments and the rest of the law, and Jesus kept the entire law. Now, Jesus would often have uh, controversies with different Jewish groups in his day. One of those groups Uh, were the Pharisees. You've heard of Pharisees before. Uh, You might have been called one before. I I have been myself. Uh, But a lot of people don't actually know what Pharisees were. Uh, Pharisees were basically these guys. They were the ones that said, our strict interpretation of the law, if you keep it, God's going to bless us. And this is going to be one of the major ways that God's going to make sure that we are not under the terrible hand of Rome or any other oppressor. A Pharisee was basically someone who said, we need to be really pure, really strict so that God will bless us. Okay? Uh, they, they, weren't, they weren't all bad, actually. They were serious about the law. Uh, but in their seriousness, they would discount and reject less serious Jews, Samaritans, Gentiles, prostitutes, and tax collectors, which were the very people that Jesus came to embrace if they would receive his message. And one very famous passage, uh, Jesus is actually uh, contrasting the ministry that he came to offer versus the ministry of the Pharisees. And that's in John chapter 10, verses 6 through 11. Again, that's 583 in your ESV Bibles. John chapter 10, verses 6 through 11. I want you to see what Jesus is saying here uh, to the Pharisees because he is using the language of stealing to contrast his ministry to the Pharisees. Picking up in the midst of a larger conversation, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus ends this comparison of his ministry to the Pharisees by making very clear. The Pharisees have come to steal. They've come to steal hope, the message that God can bring salvation even to the worst of sinners. And I have come not simply to give, but I've come to give my own life. Jesus is the opposite of a thief. He is, he, he, he is Santa Claus on steroids times a million, billion jillion, right? Uh, he, is, he has come to not only give great gifts, he's come to give himself. He is the opposite of a thief and he is helping us see here the difference between that which offers hope, God, and that which takes away from hope, namely those that believe God's going to ultimately bless me by how I perform. Uh, what, what, whether or not God loves me depends On my own performance. And Jesus said, actually, I've come to change the way that everything works. Uh, Before, the blessings work like this. You will receive blessings if you obey. For Jesus, this is the good news. I have come to ensure the blessing is here. I'm your blessing. Now obey. For sure. Jesus still has promises that are held out before us that we don't yet taste. There's still some more promises to come. But the best, the gold of heaven, has already come. It has been given. And the difference now is to to steal or even to live like God is a miser is to look at Jesus, the one who lays down his life for the sheep, the one who gives himself for you, and to say, not enough. To live life, not just as you shall not steal, but to live life without generosity, without being like Christ, being a given person, is to look at Jesus and say, not good enough for me. You shall not steal is the baseline for Jesus. We've been talking a lot, I think, uh, this is my understanding of this assignment, about how the the law, the Ten Commandments was kind of like a, a pinto and and Jesus is kind of like a Lamborghini, right? The difference is uh one comes with less responsibility than the other. Now that you have Jesus, the responsibility has been heightened because the gift is greater. Uh, you can't look at Jesus and say, God's going to withhold good stuff from me. You, you, you can't. If you say that you believe in Jesus and live like God is a miser, you're, you're calling Jesus a liar, you're calling the cross just, just a good story. Jesus has come telling us that with him there is no scarcity Uh, Those of you that are taking an economics class, uh, supply and demand is thrown completely off. The supply is unfathomable. When you live as if Jesus had come, not stealing becomes the baseline. The true norm becomes now we live like everything we need, we have because of Jesus. Live like everything we have, everything we need we have in Jesus. that's the call for a day. The question I would pose to you is, how can we take anything if we believe in Christ when we have everything? If a man uh, were walking down the street and he were hungry and I had to persuade him not to steal food, it would be quite hard. But if I had evidence to present to that man that you actually have uh, an inheritance, a great inheritance coming in three days from a wealthy relative, hold on, don't still. Uh, that would be far easier, right? Uh, what I'm trying to say is simple. Uh, you have an inheritance that is beyond comprehension. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul said it this way, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he also not with him graciously give us all things? In, in Voskamp and in, in, in a book basically describes it like this: the person that belongs to Jesus, uh, the person that belongs to Jesus really begins to believe that everything that belongs to Jesus is ours. That the the best of heaven belongs to us and when we live like that it changes everything it changes everything about how we live we talked about we talked about israel withholding tithes from god if you believe that there is nothing that god will withhold from you that he gave you the gold of heaven how can how can we live such stingy lives in the united states one of the most, the, the most prosperous nation perhaps in, in human history but, uh, over time. How can we live and look at all the gifts of God, not to, you know, the freedom that we have to worship, the, the obvious food that we have on the table, most of us, the work and the regular paychecks, the upward mobility, the, the, the fact that you're, many of you are getting a top notch education that so many around the world would love to have. Not to mention air, breath, sun, millions of other things. And then all of those things way smaller than Christ. How can we live selfishly when that is the truth? EBF, I have one charge for you today. What would change in your life if you lived like you had everything you needed in Jesus. What would change if, when you, if those lyrics that song we just sing about Jesus being enough actually was true about how you lived your life? What would change? It might be different from person to person, but it has to change, right? It changes the way we live in the world when we see instead of the 10 things God withholds, we see the millions of things that he gives. It changes everything about how you live. And when you look at the cross that's always the part where you start because you look at the cross and you say if he will not hold back his own life if he will suffer and bleed and die for me how can i how can i disbelieve that he will give me everything i truly need Jesus did not hold back even his very life he gave and gave I don't want you folks to leave here and simply not steal. That's a good start. But I want EBF to be characterized by lavish giving. giving. By being the sort of people that are just not foolish, but loving and blessing and blessing and thinking about how can I bless people today because I've been blessed and there's no end to my blessings. There's no need to take what is not ours when all that is ours is enough. Is it enough for you? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the family of God here today. They are family. You've given me a family, God. Over and over and over again in Scripture, you tell us, uh, whatever we lose will gain it back. Speaking of family, I can remember the passage where, you, where Jesus told his disciples, those of you that lose family or friends will gain more family and friends back. And that's the way that things work with you, Jesus, that you are constantly giving and giving, that you always give us exactly what we need, and everything you withhold is right. Help us to believe that. At its root, we disbelieve you, God. We disbelieve your goodness. And so I pray for more faith. Give us faith in your goodness. Give us faith that you're not a miser, I pray. Lead us to be a giving people at EBF. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.